All right. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to come uh, worship with you guys, take a break from my busy work schedule and, and come over in the middle of the day and worship. Ah, just really, really encouraged me. So thanks for letting me be here. That was, that was worth the uh, cost of admission, if that was all there was. So um, yeah, it's definitely an honor for me to be here. Um, you know, Montana Bible College, um, a lot of my friends have gone here over the years. Definitely know a lot of the, the staff, instructors, and those folks have just been a huge blessing in my life. So it's definitely an honor to be here today. I'm a little intimidated to, to, to come and talk to a bunch of Bible college students, but um, and humbled for sure uh, and excited. Um, you know, Tasha Ord is the one who sent me the invite. So if this ends up being a, a waste of time or if I'm a heretic, you can, you can blame her. So um, when she sent me the invite, Tasha said, we, uh, we would appreciate hearing you share from scripture as it relates to a life lesson based on your testimony, your ministry, or just living life, which is in and of itself enough of a challenge. And I thought it was a little funny, and then she put smiley face, right? And, but she's right, and it was kind of funny, just even coming from Tasha, I just think of Tasha and her husband just been a huge blessing in, in my life, and uh, they, they just seem so solid. So it's, it's kind of, uh, it, just, it just struck me that, that, that she would mention that life is a challenge, because they seem so together com- compared, to, compared to me. So, um, but, but she's right, life is a challenge. And, um, and, uh, and it seems like the older I get, the harder it gets. Just over the holidays, I was, I was chatting with my sister-in-law, uh, a great gal, loves the Lord, and she said, I just never envisioned life being so hard. And, uh, and, I, and I, I was like, I feel the same way, I feel the same way. And so as I was thinking about what to share with you guys, um, uh, it was like, what, what would be most relevant, what would be most helpful, what do I wish was more ingrained in my soul at your guys' age, um, as, uh, before I faced the challenges that life was going to bring. And so that's really um, what I was wrestling with, and, and that's really kind of led me to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. You know, when I, when I was your guys' age, I kind of just assumed by the time I was getting near 40, not there yet, um, but, but I thought that, you know, my, my faith would be growing, that I'd be getting more and more victory over sin, that my life would be having an impact, that people being saved all over the place, and that I'd be leading my family, and we'd have it all together. And it's, it's not always like that. It's not always like that. It's, um, there's been a lot of bumps and a lot of challenges, um, you know, a lot of life experiences and then, and then struggles with my own sin and, and different things. And so um, it's, it's, it's been hard. It's been hard. And in fact, the last two years have been especially hard for me. My, my mother passed away about a year ago um, from cancer. Uh, my best friend passed away a year before that from a stroke. And saying goodbye to loved ones, that's, that's hard. And so again, what could I share with you guys for where you're at in the stage of life you're in that may help be a foundation or something that you could take with you as you head off into life, into ministry, into the workplace, um, that would be an encouragement to you. So that's what I really wanted to focus on today. Um, And as silly as it might sound, without a doubt, I think the most important thing that I could share with you guys today, at least from where I'm at and what I've been experiencing in life, are just the simple truths of the gospel. The simple truths about who God is and what he's done for us. As I, as I look back to my time when I was a, a young Christian, um, part of the college group at Grace Bible Church here, um, I mean, I, you know, I got saved and I got excited about the Lord and I got involved in ministry and just so much focus on a lot of things, a lot of, you know, want to learn more doctrines and, and we're talking about eschatology, you know, and we're, you know, fighting sin in our lives and trying to hold each other accountable and uh, we're talking about what, you know, what's going to happen with Israel and what's their place in the future of, of mankind and, um, you know, different things like philosophy of ministry and those are all really, really good things. But as I look back, 
we didn't focus much or meditate much, me and my, my friends, or talk about much about just the gospel. The gospel was kind of like, well, we got saved, and we would talk about the gospel if we were sharing the gospel with somebody, or we talk about it in the context of evangelism, but it wasn't really the centerpiece of, of our lives in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't the centerpiece of, of what we were going on, uh, what we had going on in our lives. And so I, I, I think that's a mistake. And as I've gone through uh, my life, I feel like the Lord has really shown me how important it is to never lose sight of who he is and what he's done for us. And I love how, how John Piper said it. He says, you never, 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 13 nevers. You never outgrow your need for the gospel. Don't ever think the gospel as that's the way you get saved and then you get strong by leaving it and doing something else. No. We are strengthened by God through the gospel every day till the day we drop. You never outgrow the need to preach to yourself the gospel. I agree with John Piper. And um, much of what I've learned about the gospel, about how to communicate the gospel, about how to apply the gospel in my life, I've, I've learned a lot of that from, from him and his teaching, so I'm definitely heavily influenced by him today. Um, but definitely, with my, the 17 odd years I've been a believer, um, the importance of the gospel, not only for salvation, but really as the fuel for the Christian life, um, I'm more and more convinced all the time that it's just, it's something that easily, is easily left behind, and it's, it absolutely is one of the most critical things that we need to keep at the forefront of our minds. So, um, so I'm sure as a Bible college student, you guys are learning lots of things. Um, I don't know what the curriculum's like here. I don't know the different um, programs that are available these days, but I'm, I'm sure you're learning glorious things. Um, lots of great doctrines, lots of great uh, ministry skills, and that's, and that's awesome. And I'm, and I'm sure that you're being well-equipped for a life of ministry and uh, a life of dishonoring the Lord. But um, I, I think there can be a risk that we would hang those truths that we learn on something other or even apart from of what God has done for us. There's a great danger. Um, we might end up living our lives to maybe work our tails off to earn God's love. Uh, we might work our tails off to try to make a difference in somebody else's life without, without um, resting in the power that comes from, from what God has already done and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Um, and, and in fact, we may also be in a situation where we don't have that foundation when the storms of life do come. Um, we might not have the strength to, to really stand up and endure those challenges because we're resting on something other than what God has done and who he is. So here's our plan. I'm just going to briefly remind you guys of the gospel. And I know it just sounds, sounds kind of silly. Wait a minute, Bible college students, we, give me something meaty here, right? Something advanced. Um, but no, I'm going to quickly just remind you of the gospel, and then I just want to talk a few minutes about how it can continue to fuel your Christian life. Just share some examples of my life about how I'm trying to apply the gospel in the season of life that I'm in. So we're going to just break it down to some basic parts. God, sin, cross, faith. That's how I like to talk about the gospel. There's different uh, paradigms out there, you know, four spiritual laws and different things that people use. For me, I'm a pretty simplistic guy, God, sin, cross, faith. And so anytime you're talking about the gospel, you've got to start with God, the God of the Bible, right? Um, he's the one true God, and he is glorious, right? If we fail to, to, to grasp the, the, the greatness of God, the glory of God, his holiness, his majesty, his power, his beauty, um, and really, the gospel isn't going to make much sense, or perhaps worse, it's going to maybe sound rather inconsequential for our lives. Okay? So I wish I had hours to, to focus on just the character of God. I mean, you, can, you can spend your whole life studying the character of God, and I, and I hope, that you, hope that in a lot of ways that you do. Um, but just going to say a few things that the Bible teaches about God, right? Um, nothing new for you guys, but just to remind you, right? God is the creator. He made everything. Okay, so we worship a God who speaks, and galaxies come into existence. Galaxies. This was driving in on, to work today, and I heard on, on the radio 
oh, there's a ninth planet. We don't know where it is, but we can tell from the gravitational pull. And we don't even know what pl- that the planets in our solar system, right? As advanced as mankind thinks we are, God speaks, galaxies come into existence. Whole galaxies, right? He's holy. He's separate. He's different than us. He's perfect. He's without any fault or corruption. He's perfect in knowledge. He knows all things. He knows each hair of every person on this room. He knows every time every bird on planet Earth hops. Right? He knows the intimate thoughts of every person on planet Earth at all times. He knows the billions of stars that he made. He knows each one of them by name. He knows right where they are. We don't even know where the little ninth planet might be. Right? He's perfect in power. He's in control of all things, and all of history is moving forward according to his plan. Right now, we're seeing nations rise and fall. Guess what? It's part of his plan. Right? We see loved ones in our life pass away. He's in control of that. All the challenges we face, everything going on, he is in perfect control. Nothing is surprising him. Nothing is, 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 is off course. He's got a plan, and he's moving history forward according to that plan. He's perfect in his justice. No evil goes unpunished. He's perfect in his grace, right? He's slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy. He blesses the just and the unjust. He is a kind God. He's perfect in his love. He sent his son for us, right? He sent his son to die in our place, even while each of us had rejected him. So the God of the Bible, the one true God, is not a God to be trifled with. And yet each one of us has, right? Each one of us has stiff-armed him. Each one of us has preferred something other than God in our lives. Each one of us has turned to something else for comfort in times of trial. Each one of us has, has taken what he has said for us to do and how to live and, and rejected it in one way or another. We all have. And that leads us to the second point, right? Sin. Right? Sin. Um, so I'm just going to read real quickly from Romans 3. You guys are familiar with this passage, right? The Roman road is another uh, tool people use to share the gospel. But just going to look briefly at Romans 3, where Paul is making a case like a lawyer against all of humanity in, in, in our position of, of uh, being sinful. He says in verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And as I've gone through life, um, it's, it's been really interesting to me. In fact, at times, um, kind of frustrating um, that, that the intellectual dishonesty that takes place, especially in my workplace, happens all the time. The philosophy out there is that man is basically good. And I love Paul. Paul made, uh, makes a really strong case for, our, for our, our, our sinfulness and mankind's sinfulness in the book of Romans. And, and I love the doctrine of sin because it's one of those doctrines where it's like, just be honest. Just look in the mirror. Just look in the mirror, right? I mean, every one of us has told a lie. Every one of us has stolen something. Every one of us is, 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 is selfish, and we have to fight like crazy to not be. When I walk home at night, the first thing that enters my mind is, okay, what can I do to really just bless the socks off my wife? All right, kids, let's play Legos. Six straight hours, right? right? That's not my natural inclination. My natural inclination is to be like, maybe I'll just sit in the truck for like 30 minutes and take a little nap here. Maybe, maybe they haven't noticed I'm home yet, right? But just be honest, right? And that, like, a lot of my interactions with my coworkers, well, man is basically good, and that, that worldview is, is very prevalent out there. And I, it's, it, you're just not even being intellectually honest if, um, if you take that view. Just look at yourself, look in your own heart. 
Um, and, we, and we all do things that are wrong. And, and the reason these things are wrong isn't primarily because they're a, a sin against other people, right? They're primarily, a sin, they're primarily wrong because they're an offense against God, that holy God we just talked about. Right? It's God who says don't steal. It's God who says don't lie. It's God who says do to others as you would have them do to you. Right? And so we break God's commands, and the Bible calls that sin. And every one of us has done it. And our sin is not primarily an offense against others. It certainly impacts others. It certainly is against others, but it's primarily against God and against his holiness. And so in, until you understand the weight of the glory of God being rejected and stiffed arm by the people that he made, Christianity is not going to make much sense to you, right? I mean, this is the God, again, who, who just says a word and galaxies spring into existence, okay? He made everyone. And everyone says, no thanks. I don't trust you. I don't agree with you. I'm going to disobey you. Every one of us. Right? Consider the outrage. Until you grasp that, hell is going to seem unjust. And the cross of Christ might seem like an overreaction. Until you grasp the weight of God being rejected by those whom he made. But hell isn't an overreaction. It's not unjust. Remember, God is perfectly just. In us rejecting an infinitely holy God who is perfect and is all-satisfying, he is perfectly just to sentence us to an infinite judgment. He is not in the wrong. He is very much in the right to do so. You'll hear lots of arguments about how could a loving God condemn people to hell. He is perfectly just in doing so. And that's what each of us have earned, right? Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. Each of us, because of our sin, deserves to be separated from God forever. That's what we've earned. God gave the laws. We break them. So at the end of our life, he is perfectly just in sending us to whatever punishment he determines for us. He's the creator. He's the judge. We don't get to judge ourselves. I have loved ones who constantly are telling me about how good they are and why that's uh, going to secure their t uh, place in heaven. I help people move all the time. I have a loved one who tells me that all the time. I always help people move. At the end of his life, that is not going to hold weight before the God who made everything and the God who made him. Okay? It doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God thinks. And in and of ourselves, we're all guilty, and we all fall short of his glory, and we all deserve his just judgment. And that leads us to the next point, which is the life and death of the most important person to ever walk the planet, right? Jesus Christ. So turn, if you have your Bibles, Colossians 2.13. Just a briefly look at that. Read 2.13-14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Jesus, by having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Okay? Jesus is the Son of God. He's God himself. He's part of the Trinity. God comes to earth as a child, lives a perfect life without any sin, never does anything wrong, does all the righteous, fulfills every righteous requirement of the law, goes to the cross, and suffers in our place. Suffers physically before men, but suffers spiritually taking on the wrath of God, okay? 
He came. My, again, I have another loved one who says, you know, I, I just, Jesus was a man. He couldn't have died for our sins. Well, he was fully God and he was fully man. As God, he was able to live that perfect life. As a man, he was able to be our substitute, to be our sacrifice in our place. Right? So remember that God's love is perfect. And in that love, he made a way. He made a way. His son Jesus lived that perfect life and died willingly a horrible death on a cross where he bore the wrath that we deserve for the things that we've done wrong. And for those who love him, who embrace him, who put their faith in him, his perfect record, his perfect fulfilling of all righteous requirements of the law comes into our account. And our horrible record, our tarnished record, our sinful record was placed on him and God's wrath was poured out on him in our place. The great exchange. It really sounds almost too easy. Almost too good to be true. Right? I mean, we as humans, we want to earn our way. Right? We want to do something. We, want to, we, can, we can make religion out of anything. Right? It's amazing to me. But the fact is you can't earn forgiveness for God. You can't make yourself right with God. Okay? And so that brings us to the last point, which is faith. The Bible clearly teaches that we can't earn God's love, but instead must receive salvation by faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2.8, Paul said, For by the grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not the result of works so that none would boast. So becoming right with God is only by putting your faith in Christ. It's only by just saying, I have nothing to give. I bring nothing to the equation. I am utterly and totally reliant on the finished work of Christ. And we, we, we do that by faith, right? We accept that by faith. Jesus in John 6 said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. He's talking about himself. So faith is receiving that all that God has done for us through Jesus and all that God promises to be for us through Jesus. So faith, right? So that's the gospel. You guys have heard it a thousand times, right? Um, it's nothing new, but that's, that's the gospel, quick and dirty. It's the best way I know to explain it. But like I, like I was saying earlier, I sometimes think that, that we think the gospel is a 100-level course. And I'm ready to move on to something more advanced. Right? Give me a 300 course, right? I want to go do something meaningful and substantive. I want to learn something meaningful and substantive and trans, transformative. Sometimes it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that Jesus died to save me from my sins, but let's move past that. But it shouldn't be. It really, the gospel is the heart of a fruitful Christian life. Um, it also has application in other areas of life. When you're in a hospital room, and you watch a loved one take their last breath, or maybe when it seems like your marriage can't withstand another day, you just feel like it's falling apart. Uh, maybe when you see sin devastate the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're just thinking, what, what are they doing? Lord, please turn them. Maybe when your heart hurts so bad, you can just feel it physically. You know, where can you turn? And certainly God's word has a lot to say about all those things. But you know what? Every promise that God's word has to us was bought by the blood of Christ. Okay? They were bought by his death, by his sacrifice for us. The simple truths of the gospel are that foundation. Turn a little bit for the Colossians, if you still have your finger there, but we're going to go back to Colossians. We're going to look at chapter 3 now. You can see this all over in Paul's writings, where he starts with our position in Christ and then talks about application. And I want to just make a very simple argument that that is so important to the Christian life. It's important to the fight against sin. It's important to um, walking through those challenges I just talked about in life. We're going to look at um, just one example of that from Scripture here. Chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 3, 3 through 5. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So just, just Paul's reminding them, you, your position in Christ, you have died, you are hidden with Christ. When he comes back, you're going to appear with him. Okay? Your position in Christ, therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. And he goes on to talk about fighting sin and putting off sin. Right? So Paul, again, he's reminding the, the Colossians of their position, of what God, who God is, what he's done, what he's bought for them, and then from there saying, okay, in light of that, go and fight the sin. Right? We're dropped down to verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay? As believers, we know that we're chosen, that God has elected us. We know that, that he has made us holy, not because of our own holiness, but because of God's holiness. Right? So, and we also know we're loved. Sometimes it's, that's like the hardest thing for me to believe. What, God loves me? How can he love me? Be reminded of your position in Christ. Chosen, holy, beloved. From that, now, put on compassion and kindness and humility and other, other acts of love. Okay, so this is just one example. Just one example from Scripture where our foundation in Christ, our position in Christ, what, who God is, what he has done for us, is, is the position we go from. And, I, and that's, that's the encouragement. I feel like that's the biggest thing I've been learning over the last few years, is I used to be so focused on fighting the sin or making a difference in this person's life or learning this new thing or studying this book. And it's almost like a passage like this. Like, like I don't know if you guys ever saw that Far Side cartoon. It's like two panels. And one, the, dog's talk, or the owner's talking to the dog, and he says, you know, Fido, stay out of the garbage. Fido, don't do that. Fido, Fido, Fido. And on the other panel is what the dog hears. Fido, Fido, blah, 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 Fido, blah, 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 Fido, blah, blah. That's kind of how it is for me sometimes when I read Scripture. Yeah, 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 okay. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm holy and cho- beloved and chosen by God. I hear blah, blah, blah. I skip over those parts and get to, okay, now what do I got to do? And I just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, God, Christ died for me. Okay, great. Now what? Now what, what's my part in this? And I don't, I don't stop and think, well, wait a minute, why is Paul starting there? Why is that so important? And it happens to me in, in, in so many ways and so many times. And it's really like, like parenting at home with my kids. I could parent in such a way where all they hear are do's and don'ts and never hear about the gospel. And I have to fight against that, right? I've got to talk about who Christ is and what he has done. My interactions with them as I give them consequences for their sin needs to point them not to their own effort to do better, but to who Jesus is, their need for him, and what he has done for them. Right? It is applicable to all of life. It's, it's comforting to me when I think about my loved ones who died. It's two people I referenced. They loved the Lord. They had very fruitful lives. And yeah, I miss them. I miss them terribly. But you know what? They're with the Lord. They're with the Lord. And I get to see them again someday. Why? Because Christ purchased that entrance. Christ purchased that eternity. And I, as much as I'm excited to see them, I'm, I'm even more excited to spend eternity with, with my God. Right? With my Lord, with my Savior. The gospel, it, it compels me to love my wife in the midst of, of marital strife. Christ died for me while I was his enemy. Right? I was his enemy. I was rejected him and stiff-armed him and was doing everything I could possibly wrong, do wrong. And he died for me? Man, out of that position, out of, out of that truth, now I, I can be compelled and empowered to say, you know what? I can love my wife. 
on, on the rare occasion when she says something irritable to me or something, I can say, you know what? Christ died for me and loved me while I was his enemy. My wife is not my enemy. I can love her. I can love her well. And he also gives me his Holy Spirit to empower me to do that, right? The gospel allows me to speak truths in my friend's life. Not, not as somebody who's got it all figured out. Not as somebody who has earned his favor with God. But as a, as a sinner saved by God's grace. I can come alongside people gently and in love and say, listen, I love you. And I'm not coming to you as somebody who's got all the answers or who's living a perfect life by any means. But God has said in his word this, and I don't see that in your life. And so I'm coming to you as another sinner to exhort you and encourage you to, 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 to really think hard about this and make a change because I see you heading down a road you don't want to go. Right? It, it applies. The gospel puts me in my place. It reminds me that I am no better, and it's only the grace of God. And it also gives me what the primary thing is I need to focus on when I encourage them and exhort them. Or obviously, if you're talking to an unbeliever, the thing they need most more than anything, rather than any help but any practical issue at the core, they really need salvation, right? Um, the same way the gospel allows me to come to Christ when I've blown it for the thousandth time. When I've, when I've yelled at my kids for the thousandth time, the gospel empowers me to be able to, to turn to the Lord, to confess my sins, and to receive his forgiveness. And I'm guessing some people in this room are, are like I am. Maybe, so I thought, okay, I blew it, and now I've got to spend like two or three days being really, really holy, and then I can like feel good about my, myself again and feel like I can come to God and have the right relationship with it again. Where do you find that? Right? That's, that's not resting on the finished work of Christ. Yes, there should be remorse of our sin. Yes, there should be repentance, but we can't earn it back. It's all about the finished work of Christ. And so... I just, I, I hope as you guys go on from NBC, um, whether you're graduating this year, whether you're involved in ministry now, in whatever way that you're going to put into practice the things you're learning here, the things you're being equipped to do, I hope that you never graduate from the gospel, right? Some of you guys are familiar with Ed Welch. He's a, an author. He's very influential in biblical counseling circles, and he, he, he said it this way. He said, be good and do right are fine messages, but when they stand alone, they have more in common with the Boy Scout handbook than scripture. Remember, in the Bible, this is who God is, and what he has done always proceeds. This is what you must do. So the gospel doesn't end at salvation for us, right? It applies to everything we got going on in the Christian life. And so that's really my prayer. As you guys head out into life, as, you know, as a, a, a ministry or workplace, as a, as a husband or a wife, as a parent, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whatever work God brings before you to do, my prayer that you guys would not graduate from the gospel and that you would labor and live the Christian life from that foundation of who God is and what he has done for you, okay? All right, I'm going to pray for you guys and my understanding is you're dismissed, okay? Father, thank you so much for just giving us this chance to just meditate on, on who you are and what you've done for us. And, uh, and Lord, there's, just, there's so many glorious things in your scripture, there's so many things that, that we learn, but, uh, but who you are and what you've done for us is just at the center. And we just thank you for that. We thank you that, that um, through your glory and the desire to see your name glorified, you have, have redeemed us and you sent your son to die for us. And um, thank you. We can't add to that. We can't take away from that. It is a perfect finished work. And we celebrate that this morning. And I pray for, for the young people in this room, the, the students, and for, really for all of us, Lord, that we would um, just really 
never lose sight of that, that we would always just be encouraged and humbled and strengthened as we meditate on who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. So please may that just be a, a cornerstone in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name.